And we're going, oh, hi there, you're new. Yeah, okay, welcome, welcome to the podcast. And oh, you, I recognize. Yes, I felt you downloading me before. I liked it. <laughs> what? Okay, yeah, no, and you're, no, you're new. No, don't worry. You gather around, gather around. This is normally how we kick it off. Yo, we're back again to our irregular programming. How's it going with all of you? I hope everything's so slamming. Dropping in October, my favorite month. Happy birthday to my favorite month. And if you're craving some fun, you downloaded the right thing. Because this podcast, well, it's exciting. Like my new mini Super Nintendo classic. No Chrono Trigger? Just hack it. It's magic. We got a cartooning wizard, Jason Liu here from the pitiful human lizard. We're going to talk comics and get nerdy. What you expect? It's a weekend at Bergie's. So eat your turkeys. In French, it said Danda. And sit back. Le Cement. Fanda. Le Fanda Cement. Yeah. I'm brandishing ham. <laughs> what? Welcome back. Hello, friends. This is Weekend at Bergie's episode Vancet 27. Uh, dos. Uh, septo? Dosepto. That's probably not correct, but it sounds wicked. Sounds like a transformer. Dosepto. The Doseptocons. Yeah. The 27 Obots. <laughs> <laughs> this is indeed Weekend at Bergies, and for those of you joining us for the very first time, thank you. For those of you coming back for your 27th time, oh wow, we're, we're doing this, we keep surprising, we keep sneaking in these little episodes here and there, just like I said last time, when you least expect it, we're going to be right here at you. Just like I was talking about going to Edmonton in the last podcast that dropped in the summer, and I was just in Edmonton. Edmonton Expo, it happened. We kept it a little secret until the last minute because that's how we had to do things. But it was amazing. Thank you for so, so many people. People came out, met a lot of great new faces. Loved it. That's twice in a few months I was out in Edmonton and I just had an amazing time. It was great. Wound up going to the Beercade, played Street Fighter 4 with a broken joystick. And it sounds like. You know, it, it really felt like I was making it up, like I couldn't go left. I was playing Ken, and look, I know how to, I know how to throw a fireball at Ken. Okay, I know how to do the tuck tuck bayon kak, the the spinning kick thing. I can do the dragon punch. I was not able to do them from one side of the screen, and I was I was playing against uh, Patrick Burgerfinger, and he was he was like, no, come on, man. I'm like, no, dude. And he had never played Street Fighter before, apparently. And anyways, the joystick was broken. So if you're at the Beercade on White Avenue in Edmonton, can someone fix that joystick on the left side of Street Fighter 4? Because the game is a beautiful game. It looks like a cartoon. Love that. That's like Capcom. Mm. When they do it right, they do it right. Like that mini Super Nintendo I just mentioned in the opening little rhyme off. It was great to get it in my hands. I picked it up. I got up really early Friday morning about a week ago from recording this. And it was, yeah, it was it was pure bliss. No Chrono Trigger, which was an auto mission. couple other games. I really love Final Fantasy 2, but we got three on there. Mega Man X is on there. It's going to be way more abundant compared to last year's mini NES. So keep an eye out if you love Super Nintendo games. It's 80 bucks plus tax. Worth it. My one little treat for myself. And it's my uh, birthday Christmas gift to me. So I'm, I'm not, I don't feel guilty about it. It's good. So that's, that's new. That's exciting. I'm just bouncing all over the place. I just want to tell you about shows really quick. If you're in Toronto, 
Uh, Friday, October 13th, I'm going to be playing at the Social Capital for East Coast Comedy Night. That's going to be fun. It's at the SoCap Theater, 154 Danforth Avenue. So I'm going to be there. The show starts at 8, and I think I'm going on towards the end of the set, but it's a two-hour show, and then there's an improv showcase after. So come for 8. We'll hang out for an hour or two. You, you, you get some laughs. You hear some raps. And I believe they are going to have some East Coast-themed beverages if you like to imbibe. Then the next morning, I'm going to be taking a trip to Oshawa, the schwa. I'm going to be at the OPL Fan Con. That's the Oshawa Public Library Fan Con. For those who don't know, it's taking place at the Oshawa Public Library at 65 Bago Street in Oshawa. Maybe it's Bagot, but it's B-A-G-O-T. How would you pronounce it? Bago. I think it's Bago. Lego, my Bago. So I'm on Bago Street. I'll be there on Saturday, October 14th from 11 to 4. And it's a Comic Con where there's going to be cosplay. There's going to be a lot of artists there. I'll be there with the last paper route. Come say hi. I, if you haven't picked up the issues yet, I'll have them all with me if you just want to say what's up. If you're in Oshawa and you just happen to be listening to this by accident, well, yeah, there's a comic convention happening in your public library at 65 Bago Street. A bag-o. <laughs> I can't say, I don't know why, that's like the, the funniest street name I've heard in a really long time. Big props to Beat Mason, as always, with the dope beats playing in the background. I'm just flying through this, because yes, Jason Liu is here this weekend. I've known Jason for years, he's a comic book creator, he's done cosplay, he actually worked at the on the Canadian G.I. Joe convention, which was around for a few years uh, a few years ago now, and we're going to get into all of that stuff. So he's got a lot of great stories, and we're just going to just generally nerd out unabashedly about comics and action figures and stuff like that. He's got a lot of great tips for upcoming and aspiring artists, and just he's just an awesome dude. So we're going to have a lot of fun, and there's a fresh bag of chips here that I predict will disappear. N- music news. I have some music news for you. Some of you may have heard because I've, I've mentioned it at a few shows. I have a new EP dropping in December. That's this December. That's two months from now. Pretty excited. It's called If It Rhymes, It's Real. And it's dope. It's You're going to hear a little bit more of it uh, as we get a little closer to the date, but stay tuned for that. It's just going to be a short little EP teaser. It's not a teaser. It's a full beefy little EP, but it's not a full-length album. We're going to be dropping a full-length album. Tentatively, we're going to say summer 2018. Maybe sooner, but by summer 2018, there'll be a brand new full-length album. Different from the EP. So if, if you're into that, uh, chances are you may have heard some of my music before, so there's new stuff coming, and I'm very excited about that. The Usual Suspects are back. few surprises that I'm very excited about. And again, I'll tell you more about it as it goes. I don't like to jinx things. I don't like to talk about the stuff until it's ready to deliver. I want it to just be ready. So... That's what we're going to do. Fan Expo was amazing. I haven't talked to you in so long. Fan Expo was just a wicked, wicked weekend. Big shout out to Kevin Boyd for hooking it up. And everyone I hung out with at Artist Alley. I got to meet some of you there. We had Nerd Noise Night on the Saturday night at the Rec Room, which was just phenomenal. Shout out Sean Hatton 
and Cybertronic Spree and Coins and more or less and everyone who came out that night. It was just, it blew me away. Every summer that, I, I mentioned it before, it's a highlight of the year for me. And this was, I think, the greatest nerd noise night yet. So that was just, I'm, I'm high off it. It was, it was incredible. Fan Expo was awesome. I got to sit next to Danny Zabal. And Danny and I knew each other a little bit through mutual friends, but... Uh, we had an awesome time hanging out. We uh, we kind of brainstormed on a few comic book ideas that I'm very excited about. And Danny's just an incredible writer and comic creator. And he does a book called uh, Life, Death, and Sorcery. And that's from Chapter House. So go check that out. And hopefully maybe we'll get Danny on the podcast to, to chat in the future. And uh, maybe we'll have some stuff to talk about there. So that was super awesome. And I'm just what other notes do I just got to good get through here i think that's about it we're just getting dirty i know you gotta eat your turkey maybe if you're listening to this it's canadian thanksgiving this weekend so happy thanksgiving in other comic book podcasty related what related news if you're not listening to living between wednesdays and you love comics well you need to rectify that right away get on your podcast downloading thing find that podcast friends of the show dave and rochelle do every week they go through new comics it's i love it. it's one of my favorite podcasts and i when i'm not doing this podcast you know sometimes i hop over and help, and help them out so i'm on episode 105 which came out just a couple weeks ago and we talk about the peg the project pegasus saga which is a classic marvel two-in-one marvel comic so even if you don't know anything about it in fact it's better if you don't know anything about it dive in so check that out living between wednesdays download it listen every week and yeah i guess that's about it we're gonna dive right in jason lou is here he brought some of his favorite comics we're gonna discuss them we're gonna discuss the pitiful human lizard which of course is his comic book from chapter house which are doing a lot of great great things they're a canadian publisher basically the I guess it's safe to say they're like the number one Canadian superhero comic book publisher right now and have been for the last couple years. And it's great to see a lot of cool stuff. Past guest Kalman has been on the show, uh, who works on Kalman Androshovsky, who works on Captain Canuck, many other titles. A lot of a lot of great artists and writers working for them. Good people all around. I got to chill with some of them at Fan Expo. And definitely, yeah, look up Chapter House. Check them out if you're a comic book fan in Canada or otherwise. And Jason's going to fill us in on every, all the cool stuff that's happening with them. Yes, last paper route. We're working on issue four. Thanks to everybody who picked up number three. Decaf was amazing, by the way. If I didn't talk about decaf yet, wow, that was just an awesome time. It's happening next year again. They've already announced it's going to be August 2018 in Dartmouth. So start planning. If you're planning a Nova Scotia trip, a lot of people have asked me, they're like, hey, what's what are the Maritimes like? Like I always say, go in August, like end of summer, best time to visit Nova Scotia and the Maritimes. And if you go in August next year, well, there's going to be decaf August 19th, I think 18th or 19th, whatever the Sunday is. Chances are we're going to do another show because the decaf kickoff party went really well. And we'll be around. It'll, it'll be an amazing time. So it's not too early to start planning your maritime vacation next summer. And no, I'm in no way funded or by Tourism Nova Scotia, but I just highly recommend it. It's a lovely, lovely province to visit. All the maritimes are beautiful. So check that out and think about that. Uh, it's, as it's starting to get colder, it's never too early to think about warmth. What? <laughs> All right, so without further ado, let's get into things further with 
Lou. Jason. on mic two. Jason Liu on mic two. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. This, this is going to go real well. <laughs> yeah. Jason Liu on mic two. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, this is a pleasure. <laughs> thanks for taking time out on the weekend to come hang. Just geek out. I'm, I'm mesmerized by like the amount of stuff that you have in this place. Like so many cool like G.I. Joe's and back issues. All the important stuff. It's just a life of adventuring and traveling and, you know, hunter gathering. (laughs) I can't say no to a cool comic and or action figure and or record and or video game and or continue. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I do have a lot of stuff displayed at my place, but, you know, like I I see it every day and I'm I'm, I'm usually bored by it. But And I don't know if you feel the same way too, but until like you like have a fresh pair of new eyes like myself visiting your place and go like well like and 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 show this like new appreciation for some of the things you have appreciation and validation <laughs> yeah well yeah, that too cuz cuz sometimes like you know I, I collect a lot of like limited edition exclusive toys and stuff and there's always this hunger like i want more of this and, and that and and like once you get that holy grail there's always another holy grail then you just get bored with what you're surrounded by until like a friend of mine would like come by and be like oh my god like you have like this action figure's like oh yeah i, I totally forgot that i have this action figure yeah and it's someone you hunted for for months and months and then he's just sitting there and you get so used to seeing him every day oh yeah i've had a man a man from star wars for years and you know someone's like oh that's like the rarest guy yeah it, it, but but it, it, it's displayed like any peg warmer right yeah <laughs> and, and it's, sometimes i would get into like a phase where like right now like after watching rogue one like a long while ago and i'm a huge fan of rogue one and so I, i've been going back into like army building the the rebel troopers to to try to create my own like rebel base uh, from a Reg- diorama if you yeah, will. yeah yeah but they're very rare apparently it's like about like 50 bucks to get one action figure of them wow off it's eBay. still the same thing like you could find like 50 uh, r2d2s but then you can't find a, a ground crew rebel or no no and, and and they came out like eight years ago and i remember like during that time like there's so many figures I, I wanted to get, and I, I just let it pass because I would be like, I'm going to save it for when I, you know, I can get it for discount at a convention. Yeah, well, what is your deciding factor, especially with Star Wars? Because you and I, I think, we'll get to it, but I think we have, I think our, like, trifecta of, like, our top favorite things, I think we're pretty close. Like, I would I would guess that, you know, I think Star Wars, G.I. Joe, and I'm going to guess Spider-Man. What would be your third? Mm. Or is G.I. Joe even in there? Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, well, I capped off my my GI Joe collection because I, I I've been collecting all the the main characters from like up to like 1986, but in the 25th anniversary mold. Yeah. Uh, but I don't have your that iceberg. Uh, I I have a like a like an okay gung ho, but. 
The one that you have is more TV. That's the better gung-ho, yeah. And I got to shout out, my man Ozzy found that one for me. Because, yeah, they did come out with a gung-ho when they first did the 25th anniversary. And then when they did the, like, 33rd anniversary, this gung-ho came out. And maybe it was 34th, 30th. It's been a long time. Yeah. (laughs) But that gung-ho is amazing. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'd say the, the Marvel Legends would cap that that trifecta all right so uh, you're star wars gi joe and marvel legends yes so the legends for the listeners at home who may not be up on their action figures like jason and, and i the legends are essentially the six inch scale right? correct not the uh three and a half to four inch scale of the gi joe and no. standard star wars no I, I i like how the scales keep them separate in their own action figure universe in a way yeah we, we all grew up with the three-inch, three-quarters action figures of, of Star Wars. And what I love about that scale is the vehicles. And the vehicles, like, you can, you can you know, buy an X-Wing, and, and it's still small enough to, to store compared to, like, a six-inch TIE Fighter that they released. They made a six-inch TIE Fighter? It's crazy. It's huge. It's almost... It's actually... It's as tall as that Ikea shelf that you have right there. That's crazy. That's like... So they kept it to scale. Yeah. That's that's amazing. And they're coming out with some pretty... I mean, Star Wars has been doing the obscure characters. They, they've started doing that. And now Marvel seems to really be getting into the obscure characters. Like, I saw there was, like, a Jack-O-Lantern character they did in the Spider-Man line. And then there's, like, Thundra and, like, just strange... It's, it's weird because see. those characters that you mentioned, they're like E-list characters, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, it's like totally. there, There's some like C, D-list characters that you guys should make, like Longshot, uh, Multiple Man. But then again, like I, I did customize like three Multiple Man action figures. Like, you know what? I'm pretty happy with the ones I made and that I, I hope that they don't make their own Multiple Man because then I would be torn and on the fence that would go, oh, maybe I should like army build the ones that are out in stores, buy as many as I want, but sadly replaced the ones that I made because that's uh, yeah, that's weird. They haven't done multiple man yet for the and for again for the listeners at home because not everyone is as into action figures as us. To army build means you're buying multiple versions of that yeah, figure to build an army to build an army because <laughs> hence that character multiple man has many multiple men of himself exactly. <laughs> And, uh, for- and you need to be accurate, listeners, when you're playing with your action figures. If you have a character who <laughs> multiplies, <laughs> you need to have, you know, many versions of him so he can be multiplied all over your bedroom and on your bookshelves and stuff. Exactly. I understand the pain, man. It's uh- tough. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Multiple Man's your favorite X-Men character. He is. And what what is it about him that you love so much? Um, I, it, it all started with, with the, the trading cards. Back then, like, I think every... Tween boy was a huge fan of Gambit, right? Were you a, a, a big? You know, I was more into like Cable and Bishop. Okay. Gambit was like I wasn't super, but he was big, like that whole era. He had the a Jim cool Lee, factor. the Jim Lee, Will's Portacio era was every X Men was pretty cool, and, and also like from from the nineties cartoon series. Yeah, yeah. So. Here, uh, I, I, it was cool. He was cool. You he know, he they, was pretty cool. He's like, easy to hate. A, a guy with a trench coat, and then, then there was like another guy that wore a trench coat, and that was multiple men. So I had that trading card. I was like, oh, like he looks pretty cool too, because he's he's also wearing a trench coat. But before, when trench coats were cool, trench coats were cool back. Then. Yeah, yeah. So he had one, and yeah, and then later on, Grifter from Wildcats had one. Exactly. And, you know, I think Punisher wore one for a little while. Like, yeah, trench coats were cool. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, uh, yeah, so so I I, I like to kind of like 
like favor like the underdog underappreciated characters because since i was a gambit fan but then everyone else was and i was like well you know what i'm gonna gravitate my attention to multiple man and then uh, like I'll, I'll pick up some issues of x factor and there was this one issue where like the character really s- spoke to me because i found out like yeah he he was uh, an only child just like me it, it was an issue where after he died from the legacy virus and moira mctaggart was in his room and this this fantasizing of like of him uh like occupying himself playing the guitar painting something playing catch doing all these activities that i would have done as an only child on my own because i i didn't have like i would just occupy myself just well and just entertain myself in, in that manner and i was like yeah like i I get that feeling, Multiple Man. You speak to me. And, and that's how I just kind of gravitated to that character. And, yeah, he, he, he he's the underappreciated workhorse. I, I, I usually go with those characters. Um, but he really came to the forefront. Like, especially, like, Peter David did a lot with that character. Oh, and yeah. And over the years, there, there have been some, actually, some of my favorite X-Men stories, or X-Mutant Universe, whatever you call it, the Mutiverse. Yes. <laughs> I don't think anyone calls it that no. yet. But, but, but the, uh, the Peter David series, like, I, I got, like, the entire series on trade. That's, like, when, when he got the spotlight, and... and because he was leading them, and then they did the investigation. Like, he had the detective agency. Yeah, the Triple yeah, yeah. X investigation. Yeah. And it was, like, such a dysfunctional family. But I can totally relate because it's like, I think we're, we're both multiple men in different universes. <laughs> yeah, and it's, well, and it's an interesting character trait that he is an only child, and yet his ability is to make multiples of himself. Yes. And so he sometimes gets along with his multiples, and sometimes he doesn't, right? Like, some of them, and they're all different aspects of his personality. It's been a while since I've read a Multiple Man yeah. comic, but yeah. So, like, he, he would be uh, in conflict with himself, and sometimes I would be, like, you know, uh, on the fence with a lot of things where, like, I would be kind of like Macbeth, where I would be, like, overthinking things because there's the multiples in my brain are, like, thinking all sorts of different sides of a situation, and then I'm always, like, trying to factor, like, the best one. But I, I managed to get, the, like, the best... Like figure out the best outcome to things, just like multiple man. Dude, you're you're basically him, except your body cannot recreate exact duplicates of itself. Exactly. <laughs> and it, let me also mention, like I I cosplayed as him for at least two or three years. Yeah, that's right. So you were doing because it was uh you did a lot of stuff for charity, right? Yeah, we was I, I was part of uh, this charity organization, a cosplay charity organization called uh, X Men of Toronto. So. Yeah, we had a Wolverine, a, a Nightcrawler, a Psylocke, a Scarlet Witch. And, like, you just let her into the X-Men. I mean, she's technically, <laughs> I mean, her dad, you know, it's, you know, it's well, mutant royalty. It's it's fine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, 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 it's, you know, uh, a, a bunch of friends that dress, dresses up as our favorite mutant characters. And yeah, Allison, who's my editor for Pitiful Human Lizard, like she was... Uh, she was dressed up as Scarlet Witch before she joined the group, and we became friends through comics. And then, like, I sort of convinced her to join the X Men of Toronto, and then she just became part of it. Even though she's responsible for eliminating mutants in the Marvel universe, oh. for anyone who's read House of M, I mean, come on, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm glad that you could let that, you know, small let it slide, let it slide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, th- yeah. She got 
so tired of people judging her for for that oh who would storyline right like, <laughs> like it's amazing like the fact that you guys are first of all the fact that you make these incredible costumes then you go out and you do all this great work and help you guys were doing stuff with the hospitals right like uh we entertain kids at uh the ronald mcdonald house um we also like provided like some treats in paper bags and like just fed them to the homeless people mm-hmm. Because there's, you know, in Seattle, you've heard of Phoenix Phoenix Jones? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really fight crime, though, like him. <laughs> no, we, we don't, yeah, because we, we, we can't afford bulletproof vests or anything like that. Yeah. There but, are a whole, for people who don't know, there's a bunch of people who go around as, and call themselves real-life superheroes. Yeah. And go around and do works of charity and help people, and I don't know whether it's carrying someone's groceries or if it's... Yeah, we we well, uh, we also did like clothing drives too. Like we we did like picnic clothing drives, uh, a cosplay skate at Nathan Phillips Square, and like one time we collected close to thirty garbage bags of clothes that we needed about like three cars to transport them to uh, this shelter that we were helping out. And yeah, we we did it all in costume and in character as well. Those were some good times and. Yeah, some uh, some great experiences because yeah, j- just walking around in costume and it, it it really helps when you have some friends that are doing the same thing, sure. so you're not alone on in this. Um, but then there was a big summer crossover, and at the end of it, uh, you know, you guys disbanded, right? <laughs> well, yeah, like everyone had their own goals and stuff, and uh, new creative teams, kind of, yeah. <laughs> It's funny, you are kind of like Multiple Man because your output in comic creation is amazing. You're doing the work of like five people. Yeah. I mean, you're <laughs> writing, you're illustrating, like you're, you're, you're doing... going to eat a chip. Yeah, you're eating chips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're doing all this stuff on, on Pitiful Human Lizard, and you've always been... I guess this goes back to what you were saying about sort of being an only child maybe and entertaining yourself, like being an only child and saying, I can do everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's... Self-reliant. And now, so Pitiful Human Lizard, you've now been doing three years? How long has it been now? Because mm, yeah. it started with a Kickstarter, so let's uh, let's take the listeners on a little uh, expedition. Tour? Yeah, take yeah. them on a tour of what... Explain, what is the Human Lizard? Yeah, the, the Pitiful Human Lizard is Toronto's own superhero, set in actual locations of Toronto. And it was inspired from, like, reading... Uh, I was inspired by getting back into, like, the very old Marvel comics... That Steve Ditko drew, Kirby. The legends. The legends. And, and they're all set in New York. And I wanted to create the same kind of reading experience for a Toronto superhero. Because why not? We, we, we don't, we've never had a Toronto superhero before. Or if we had, it was like short-lived that it was easily forgotten. Yeah, like one issue here, one issue there, or maybe a throw like a throwaway in an Alpha Flight comic or something. But yeah, yeah. So I I uh, took it upon myself to do to write and draw, color and letter, layout design, self publish, self publish, uh, and thanks to Kickstarter and thanks to like the backers that helped me. We were one of the backers. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. Uh, and and I produced a fifty two page f- debut issue. I intended it to be. An, an issue like like it, it was gonna be a standalone because in case if this book was gonna fail at least i told everything i wanted of this character within 52 pages but thankfully there were there were people that enjoyed it and and like and i had a lot of great responses like i had people like that that picked it up during my signings or whatever and like oh and, and then they were like 
tweet back at me saying that they've caught themselves laughing out loud on a subway. The, the amount of times I've I've gotten that, it was like, wow, this is this is a great feeling, and and especially a lot of people have messaged me that that this has been like. Somewhat like of a, 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 an ideal reading material when you're on the TTC. I love. I actually. <laughs> I would agree with that. I love reading them. You know, I've always got my stack of comics in my backpack, and I love reading. Anytime I've got a new issue of Pitiful Human Lizard, and I'm and reading it on the subway is great. And I actually read the newest uh, issue on the streetcar, or it was, I guess, at by the time this is going to air, it was like this will be like an issue or two ago. Yeah, but, that um, that came out uh, at TCAF weekend. Yeah. Yeah, so I yeah. read issue 13, I was on the subway, and it was all about, the, it's the streetcar issue. Yeah. It's like, oh man, man, I should be on a streetcar, but I felt like I was on the streetcar while I'm on the subway reading it, and that was great, and that's the first time I can think of a, an entire issue being done on a streetcar. Yeah. And you're accomplishing so much. I mean, that first issue you had, there was definitely, like, Honest Ed's was in there, and uh, it's been a while since I've read it. Was it Chinatown China as well. Town, yeah. And you incorporate Queens everything. Park. Like, you've got... There's Mississauga I've seen in the book. In issue like, number seven. Yeah. The, Toronto, you're never going to run out of cool locations to use. Oh, yeah, not so. at all. Uh, I still need to explore more of the East End, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the East End's the best kept secret. You know, you know, we don't want the secrets getting out. Yeah, that's true. Well, you, you know, I, I live in the West End, and, and I... I take a lot of walks from where I live near High Park up to Young and Dundas. So, like, it's that's a long trek. And during that trek, I, I'll go through different pathways every time. And I would find a lot of inspirations whenever I uh, find, like, a new path that I've never explored before. And be like, you know what, this might be uh, – I could probably use this location for a future issue. Yeah, definitely. So you started, it started with Kickstarter. The reaction was really incredible. Yeah. And you were able to launch that first issue, and that was like the double size, full color, which is really ambitious as well. I mean, I know as I, you know, I'm self-publishing in black and white, and I've always done that. I've never, never published a full color issue, and uh, I'd love to, but just, that just adds more time to the book, and obviously more expenses. I, yeah, I, I wanted it to be displayed as as highly as as any marvel or dc comics that are being offered on the news rack you know i've, I've been doing comics for a long time since like early 2000s as long as i've known you yeah like yeah just just making like independent comics zines black and white stuff but i've gained a lot of experience since then you know well i was doing so many like Okay, so I was doing a lot of independent comics, things that didn't work out, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this cosplay thing cause, and have fun at conventions dressing up as multiple men. And then when I would see some of my friends at Artist Alley on the other side of the table, and you're like, oh, so you're doing this now. And then it kind of made me think that I was like, you know what, like I kind of forgot myself that like I am an artist, and I, I still love to, to do, do comics. And then and I was like, you know what? I'm going to show them that I, I can still do comics, and I'm going to do it even better than what I did before, full color, all on my own. And you know what? I'm going to try to do comics even better than some of you guys that have <laughs> made fun of me when I was cosplaying. And and yeah, and here I am. And here you are, kicking ass. <laughs> I can't – dude, you got like 14, 15 issues in the can yes. now, and – 
it's incredible, and there's no no end in sight. You're writing, like I say, writing and drawing is like how many even at a, like at a full time professional level, there are very few people. I mean, I like for me for comics that I read now, the only writer artists that I read that put out something regularly are like David Lapham for Stray Bullets yeah. and Eric Larson yeah, for sure. Savage Dragon, and you know there's there's more, but like those definitely like on a somewhat regular basis. I know that that, like, if one of their issues is late, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, because they're writing and drawing it. It's going to yeah. take way longer. <laughs> so are, who are the writer-artists that you look up to? Is there anyone who, who is that combination that you're like, this, they're doing it right? Mm, or who well, are your favorite creators in general? Daniel Klaus, Adrian Tobinay, uh Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, from That's Optic Nerve. I would have never thought... But I almost can see some Tomine influence now that I think. As soon as you say that, Both I can totally see that. Yeah. yeah. I can totally but, see but, that but, in your work. Yeah. You, well, you, you notice how like the, they are just talk. They're just telling stories about ordinary people mm-hmm. and making and that's how it makes them extraordinary. And that's what I'm trying to do with the human lizard because he's just an ordinary guy in a world that has superheroes. He's he's trying to make it big for himself, but he he does doesn't have the resources so yeah like i i use their story techniques in a way like just just you know studying how people talk and yeah i was gonna say well with your dialogue with your art it's your interactions with the characters are so real and natural and maybe that's why you're able to do an issue on a streetcar because the interactions of all the different people coming in like that's that's as hard to draw you know i, I we, we know a lot of artists and just talking to people it could be just as hard to to talk to draw someone sitting on the couch pouring a cup of tea as it is jumping in the air and punching a robot in the face yeah <laughs> you, you know, like, you know there, there's a lot of comic artists that will just it can be very challenging when it's when you put a character in a mundane situation, especially when you're just focusing on a secondary character, which I've done in the past as well. Um, but it's it's a great challenge because you, yeah, like anyone can do like main character like Superman all out battle against Doomsday. But why not tell a story about like Jimmy Olsen about how he goes on his day and. And maybe there are some interesting things that happen. If you put some sincerity to it, it can be an interesting story. Yeah, and you've you've built up a great cast in the comic. There's a lot of really fun supporting characters. Uh, Majestic Rat, and you've got the the biker uh, Grizzly, Grizzly biker, Grizzly biker, and and Mother uh, Wonder. Lady, oh yeah, Mother Wonder and Lady Accident. Accident. That's a pretty great name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thank it's you. Funny, like. <laughs> um, so those characters were they characters that you've sort of created as the series has progressed, or have they have you been kind of sitting well. They- they were all back, waiting to give them some shine. They, they were all established in issue number one, um, like on, on how to make a good story. Uh, it's all about making great characters, making like writing up a, a great dossier on, on each character. Uh, and, and this is from the from the school of Larry Hama. Totally, the god, the god, <laughs> the exactly. I, 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 I had I heard dossier. I'm like, is he going to say? Is he going to talk about Larry? Of, of course. Uh, I actually was very fortunate to like through uh, mutual friends um, have like Skype intro, uh, Skype conversations with them and uh, and have him like review my work and he was a very harsh critic about it but he was very formative to like how uh, I do comics today. Wow. 
And um, I could totally. Well, that's it. I mean, any I've met him three times now, and he is a to the point kind of guy. Like, oh, definitely. We had him for the snail back in like two thousand seven or six, and he. I remember just talking, and I was just like, couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't imagine what it was like. Hey, would you review my portfolio? Because he would. He tells it like it is. Like, yeah, he shooter. murdered it. <laughs> he he murdered my comics. So, uh, and, and he made me learn that you know, um, you know, when when you make a comic, don't be too attached to it because like, look at like your your next new project as your best work, and because you're always gonna make yourself better that way. Um, so yeah, like go, going back to like developing characters being well thought out, you know, like after issue number one, there was a lot of popularity behind it that I was like, oh sh- shoot, like people want to see more. Okay, well you know what, I'm gonna uh, keep self publishing new issues. And issue number two, uh, we got to learn more about Lady Accident. Issue number three, we got to learn more about Mother Wonder. Issue number f- four. Majestic Rat. Issue number five was when all those characters assembled as like a Toronto Avengers in a way. Th- that was not really intentional, but it, it was more like I want to like I want to explore more of this character. I want to let I want to show readers what this character is all about. So that's what I did was two, three, and four. Then five was like, oh, this is no brainer. And and number five was the last self published comic before. It got transferred to Chapter House. Right. So now you're getting published by Chapter House Comics, mm-hmm. which is great because you're getting full distribution through Diamond. They're with Diamond, right? And, yeah. Uh, that's getting... I mean, I've told you. I was in New York, and I saw a Pitiful Human Lizard right there on the rack. It's like, this is amazing. Like, Such a great yeah, feeling. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I am in a very good, great situation where, like... Uh, yeah, they're, they're 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 not too involved. They're not really they're not involved at all with with my storytelling. Like they want to know what I'm doing in a story arc, uh, because now that it's it's it is part of the chapter verse mm-hmm. with Captain Canuck and a bunch of other Canadian superheroes. I you know like me me and Kelman did have some long talks, uh, especially like bringing this character in and and like. We, we both had to share ideas because, you know, Kelman had his own things in mind with the shared universe, and I had some of my own things in mind. And we had to, like, you know, come with, with some, like, compromise and going, okay, like, I can't come up with, like, very far-fetched characters or, or ideas. Like, I, I got to make sure that, that it's grounded with this universe that they're trying to establish. Okay, this is – okay, I want to get into this. This is very interesting to me. So, as a comic reader who, who has been following Pitiful Human Lizard since issue one. Yes. It's very interesting to know. And, and I wouldn't say, like, your characters are – they're humorously out there, but they are already sort of grounded. I know there's like the monster thing going on in the mysteries, and Majestic Rat's kind of got this telepathic bonding ability with the rats. I'm not really sort sure of. how that works. Um, I did want to talk about his issue where they're at the pet store. Yes, because that reminded me. Is that based on a pet store at Square One Mall? By some no, sort? actually. Oh. Well, well, the, well, you know what? Okay, the 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 mall that was in issue number twelve of Pitiful Human Lizard, which is the origin of Majestic Rat, that was taken. That was yeah. That 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 was uh, based in Dufferin Mall. Not that I know that there was a pet store, but there was tons of stores that that move in and out of Dufferin Mall. That I was like, you know what? Like, 
a pet store could have been there. Sure. Yeah, like Majestic Rat used to be in a pet store, but now, like, let's assume that it went out of business because uh, he was the one that... Snakes attacking children in that issue? Yeah. Whoa. What what, what was that? Like a baby anaconda? I don't know. Just jumped out on this kid? Yeah. Well, well, the the kid was the one that let that snake out. And spoiler for anyone who hasn't read that issue yet, a snake uh, attacks a child. (laughs) Jason, you maniac. (laughs) Well... Hey, the, the kid kind of asked for it since he opened a cage. <laughs> but but also Majestic Rat, he was like, back when he was just Kenneth, he, he was the only supervisor that that uh, watched that, that pet store while, like, his manager was kind of, like, flaking out, out, out of her shifts and stuff like that. Well, I love that he, all his rats are named after Blue Jays because, you know, we're both big Blue yeah. Jays fans. So. Yeah, the 1992-93 champions. R.I.P. Carter and Gruber in the comic, not Kelly Gruber and Joe no. Carter are still with us. And Mullenick. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Mullenick, yeah, right? Rand's but Mullenick, yeah. And, but I, put, I, 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 I spelt it Mullenick, and I kept Greg, it consistent. <laughs> it's, it's all good. The, so, okay, so back to the chapter verse, though. Yeah. So it's a whole universe within... Canadian superheroes. Canadian superheroes. So you've got Captain Canuck. Yeah. And you've got... The flagship character. Fla- and Freelance is in it as well. Freelance, who is based off of a... That's an old Canadian... A company, public right? domain, golden age superhero. Yeah. Yes, Canadian. Yeah. W- one of the first. Fleur de Lis and... From no, Northgard. Northgard and like... Fr- like an 80s character. Yeah. That and, Mark Shemblum created. Cool. So everybody's in there. Northgard, yeah. And Pitiful Human Lizard is yeah. in Toronto. So is anyone else based in Toronto? No, um, not really. Uh, yeah, uh, so so pretty much I control the Toronto-verse in <laughs> uh, the chapter-verse. Because uh, everything else like everything else takes place in either Ottawa or Montreal because of Northgard or, or Captain Canuck. So I can pitch my Nova Scotia series to them. <laughs> y- you know what? Yeah, I mean... I don't think that's been claimed yet. Oh, uh, maybe free- we should put together a package. <laughs> free- Freelance is a character that's um, he's he's globe globe trotting actually, J- just like the original character because the original character was a World War II character, and then there's also Fantoma. Oh yeah, so that's I've ne- coming I've out. Never read Fantoma. No, it's not out yet, but okay. Ray, Ray, it's going to be out pretty soon, I think. Uh, that's Ray Fox, right? Ray Fox is yeah, writing it. He's and, a great writer. And yeah. Suli, New York-based artist, she's drawing it. Fantastic and awesome. Megan Carter, a uh, great friend of mine, who's also who has the colors on your book, right? Colors, yeah. Human Lizard. Uh, she's coloring Fantoma as well. Cool. Yeah, the books look great, and mm-hmm. there's a great energy going on. I know Captain Canuck is renumbering, but you're not going to do any renumbering. You're continuing. No, right? yeah, yeah. But it's great in Leonard Kirk, who's an incredible artist as well. It's great to see him drawing uh, Captain Canuck. It's pretty awesome. Like, it's really exciting. So it, it, it's you must feel really honored to be a part of this, you know, with all these other heroes, right? And, I mean, you know what? They should feel honored to be with you because, like, to be honest, you've been a, fr- a breath of fresh air in, like, the comic scene, like, with Pitiful Human Lizard. It's, it's so unique that it's just great to see it continuing and you didn't stop after like one or two issues and, and finally a Canadian character that uh yeah he's an offbeat Canadian superhero and that's the the intention I wanted to to show Canadians and also like non-Canadians that that you know there is more dimension to being Canadian that besides maple syrups and yeah it's igloos. not just poutine and beer and no. hockey yeah <laughs> 
there's just an unending slew of stories that you can do set in Toronto, obviously. So exactly. What what's the plan now? Because you're working like a machine. You've been cranking out. So this is about 15 issues in three years, right? I I f- actually finished drawing 17 issues. Wow. Issue, issue number 17 is coming out in September. Well, it's doing great. You've got the second trade paperback coming out. Yes. So you're collecting it. Now, are the, are the trades collecting four or six issues? Uh, Six issues. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty Plus sweet. some bonus material that I, I made. Uh from the Made in Chinatown mini-comics. Right, yeah. And, and these would be mini-comics that I would... Like, exclusive pages you won't find anywhere else that I would prepare uh, for any type of shows that I would be doing. Because So that way, there would be, like, a new reason for fans to come to my table. Because if, if they've... If there's fans that are, like, caught up going, oh, I've got all your issues, it's like, oh, but I don't have this new mini-comic that you got there, so i got to get that. Yeah, having the exclusives at the shows, is that's just a great incentive for people to come say hi and stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah, and I know sometimes people are a little nervous about coming up to say hi, but, you know, you're a pretty friendly guy. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're always good to <laughs> I always see people are always chatting with you when we're at the, the tables there, and... So Chapter House just got a new CE, what is the position? CCO, the CCO. Chief Creative Officer. And why don't you let the listeners know who that is? Jay Barishall. Yeah. Holy smokes. Who, a uh, Canadian actor that I remember from that TV show, I think it was called, like, My Hometown. Yeah, My Hometown. Back yeah. in the day. And, and Popular Mechanics for Kids. Popular Mechanics for Kids. He's been bouncing around for a while. I didn't realize he was such he, a big He's uh, been doing a lot of book. great movies, too, as a as a grown up yeah you're gonna get him to you're gonna sign him on for a pitiful human lizard movie or what well it, it, it's, <laughs> can it's, we discuss it yet um okay well you know it, it, and it, it's kind of funny speculation here listeners yeah i mean you, you never say never because like that that's part of his role like his his role is yeah he, he has an investment with the company and he's very enthused with what we're doing because he's he he's a canadian patriot uh so so for us to be a canadian superhero publisher and have someone like captain canuck a, a person like them him like it's it's no brainer to to back uh to back us up especially since he's a big comic book fan as well that's great that's awesome that he's taken an interest in it and um well i mean i imagine he's taken more than an interest in it he's taken an investment in it so it's good that he's uh he's tuned in to to what's going on and what you guys are cooking up yeah and and, and yeah there was an article on on cbc uh he is looking to to turn some of our properties into either a TV or a movie, especially Captain Canuck, because like they're, I can see when, when he's passionate about something, he wants to get it done, and it will get done. And I could see that working for for our, our properties. Yeah, Goon was cool. They shot some of Goon. Well, they had a lot of there was a lot of Halifax in there. They shot the hockey rink in Halifax, and there was like a Halifax hockey team. So it's it's great to see you know when so many Canadians go to the states and they never come back. It's great to see him going there and coming back and like just getting involved and doing things. So that's uh, yeah, seems pretty cool. It's great. If nothing else, it brings a lot of really good attention to the comics that you guys are making, right? Whenever outside media attention goes onto a property or goes onto a publisher or character, then you're like, oh, okay, cool. So something like that, it just it makes a great news story. And then people are like, oh, wait, what? Why is he doing this with the comics and the what the who's oh? And then they find Captain Canuck, then they find Human Lizard. I think it's a it's a win win for everybody. And uh, totally. I don't know, it's pretty exciting. So Yeah. Uh 
So talking a lot about chapter verse, talking about human lizard. Uh-huh. So and it's it's really exciting for you to have your comic on the racks right now. When you go to a comic shop now, what are what are the comics that that are really getting your attention? Like what's what are the what's the fuel? Because I know as much as we put out as artists, like I always need to sort of refill the tank and like get yeah. oh yeah, like what other art is going to creatively scratch my itch? You know, like. Back to Shoes of Eight Ball by Daniel Klaus. The uh, best. Yeah. yeah. Dan Klaus is the best. Did you read Patience? No. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm waiting until I have enough time and patience to read that. <laughs> yeah, Dan Klaus is a genius. Yeah. He's, I haven't seen and Wilson came out this year, but I haven't seen it. Okay, yeah. I, I, I wanted to treat myself to a viewing of, of Wilson after, like, reaching, like, a, a, a landmark in, in making comics. But it was already out of the theaters in the third week. I love, like, the reward thing you're saying. Like, I, you know, I'll reward myself with a movie once I finish 20 more pages. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, you have to do that. You really, you really do. Like, discipline is so key. And, it, I'm glad that you've got it, but it is cool. So, what are your other things? You, what what else would you reward yourself with? Like, do you have like tiers? Like, do you have a rewards plan? Oh, the Lou Rewards Points system. Yeah, there there actually have been like okay, because like um, you know there would be like two weeks where I would you know be eating lots of like uh, TV dinners uh, for for lunch or or, or like just just oven bake french fries for for dinner like that's my regular thing well uh, like so you know after two weeks of that and you know like and within two weeks i would probably like finish like drawing an issue so i'd be like you know what i'm gonna go to captain's boil and just get some crab legs get a captain spoil captain spoil, spoil yourself. oh my gosh it's get- like 40 bucks <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's 40 bucks and, and then like i get a heineken on top of that it's like 50. just Living for the- me oh, just man. F- dining for one That's please right. living large dining get a crab bucket and some lobster or what do you look i love that that that's your secret reward yeah it's amazing that's become a trend there's a captain's boil then there's like another one broccoli in a bag did i hear that there's something yeah okay so so they're, they're, well what's up with that give me that bag okay, <laughs> okay well i don't know if captain captain's boil specialize in that but there was another there's another one that's kind of like that and they, they have it in multiple spots in toronto and i had one in the annex which is right across from uh that arcade place tilt yeah and Great spot, love tilt. Yeah, so so I went there as my alternative captain spoil uh, because it was right next to BMV. Because I was I also spoil myself with buying. Got to spoil yourself with some discounted uh, graphic novels and uh, literature for sure. Exactly, that's a great little pocket there. That <laughs> you got tilt and BMV. That's a fun little day. And I, I do that if I got. And then the alternate uh, captain spoil, <laughs> which I I had their crab legs, but also Does it they have a name. I, there is the name is, escapes me. They, like on this, as a side, I had like sliced sausages and like, yeah, broccoli and 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 all the like peppers, and it was all soaked because it's all in a plastic bag, soaked <laughs> in like spicy sauce that. And when you, when you have all like a lot of like liquids and and all, it, it was just oily stuff that that leaked through the bag that the whole thing was a mess but i i love it out of a bag 
this is the alternate. This is the not the captain's boil. No, the commodore's simmer. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, <sighs> the admiral's hot pot. Something <laughs> like. <laughs> The don't go there. So stick. So treat yourself as Captain's Boil. Yeah. If it's sort of like, well, you know, the other one's not bad too. But like, you want to save ten bucks and go buy an X Factor graphic novel and yeah, you know what I got sucked into the uh, the crossover with the Hulk. Oh, with X Factor, right? Well, it's it's like, was a two part. Weapon X, which is like Old Man Logan. The new weapon. Oh, X, the new one. And okay. It's like this team is like Old Man Logan, Lady Deathstrike, Sabretooth, and they teamed up with Amadeus Cho, who's the totally awesome Hulk, and they have to shut down this new uh, illegal experiments that's happening where they're creating. They're basically splicing Hulk DNA gamma radiated right. genes, and they're splicing it with mutants and creating like a Hulk Vereine. And so there's like this giant. That's Hulk a new thing right now, it's right? It's a new thing. Okay. Yeah. So I kind of got sucked in it. I'm a sucker for these crossovers. That now sounds like a prequel to Old Man Logan, right? Yeah, yeah. Although there wasn't a Hulk Vereen in that. Like no. to me, like you know, the, the that's one of those characters where like the seven year old in me is like Hulk Vereen, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> well, he just took two things and put them together. Yeah, I want like Ghost Spider and like <laughs> Flaming Spider Man. No Spider Rider. Oh Spider Spider Rider, dude. Spider oh, That you got to put that in Human Lizard. Well, spider Rider. Ricky Purden, if you're listening to this, I want to do Spider. <laughs> uh, I want to do Spider Rider. Spider Rider. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I like that spider rider. Yeah, like just having him with a flaming skull. Like yeah. he he has a spirit of vengeance. We need him. more riding based superheroes. You know what happened in those days? No horses, no bicycles. Like yeah, Marshall Brave Star yeah. mask. That's right. Oh man, mask. There was like the motorcycle that turned into the helicopter. I like that. Yeah, I like yeah. that one. I like the car that turned into another kind of car. <laughs> the, the the yeah, the, the, there was a bicycle, the motorbike that turned into a helicopter, which was uh uh the the character that that wore like a yellow jumpsuit with, but he had shades. I thought he was a pretty cool character. I forgot yeah, his name. Yeah, he flew. He was the motorcycle. It was guy. not Max Trax. It was there the was, sidekick guy. Oh man, Bruce Ito. There was there was like a Matt Tracker. Matt Tracker, yeah, was the main guy. I feel like there was a guy named Bruce Ito. Am I wrong? Maybe that's him. Oh man. Oh my, my god. Mask like, knowledge wait, is what? Okay, so that, I wonder if that guy that who I thought was there's cool Hayes, is I Japanese. It's like oh man. I guess yeah, Ito. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dusty Hayes. I think I he had, came with an orange Jeep. Okay. Mask is like my week of like that era of awesome toys where we all got bombarded with G.I. Joe, which we all know is the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Transformers. Then you had Visionaries and Humanoids, Mask. Like, Mask was great, but my Mask knowledge was never, like, that high. The cool thing about them is, is, like, you know, they made, like, 18-wheeler vehicles for the figurines, but that's because the figurines were small enough that yeah. you can do that. But you, you, you can't find, like, an 18-wheeler truck for a G.I. Joe, because... That's just huge for them to produce. But if they had been G.I. Joe sized, oh man. I would put a Cobra decal on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those, they were Arco cool vehicles. truck. Yeah. I had one or two of them. I think I got one from Consumers Distributing. 
Remember that place? Mm-hmm. You had to like write in your number and go to the counter and wait. And they never had any. You just like go to this counter and it was like this weird warehouse. And then you'd wait and wait and wait for the guy to go back and see if he came out with your thing. And then it would have a sticker right over the art. I got some G.I. Joe thing. They put the sticker of the price tag right over the picture. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? I want to see what Destro's despoiler looks but, like. But you know what made up for that was there catalogs because the catalogs had some great photo shoots of those figures in action. I was like, oh, I want to get that repeater. He looks freaking awesome in that shot. That I, I, I didn't really care if they had that sticker on the package because it's like, yeah, it's consumers. I, I get it. And we were, the, those, we were the era of opening your toys. Yeah, exactly. You know, only a few weirdos didn't open their toys back then. I, 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 <laughs> and they're I, laughing all the way to the bank now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, thank you, mom and dad. Uh, I, I remember uh, one time because, like, like, my mom knows how to, like, uh, appease me when I'm when I was being just a rotten child, I guess I was not a big brat, but I, uh, yeah, I can, I, I was a, a bratty for, for a, a kid. And I remember like going to church cause that was not one of my favorite things to do, uh, on a Sunday. Actually there was a few times, but there was this one time I remember like she, okay. So she would buy a, a GI Joe and, and one of them was like a toxic vipe, a, a toxo viper from 1989. Oh, I remember the toxo viper, the toxo viper. And, and so she, she bought it. She purple opened mask. It, oh yeah. Purple mask. <laughs> Or yellow visor, uh, and so she she bought it, o- opened it out of the, the 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 card, put it in her purse. She opened it. Yeah, she put it in her purse because well, and, and and you know I was I was seven at the time, so when I was like rocking back and forth, looking at staring at the ceiling during the sermon, and then she she just opens her purse, gives me this Toxo Viper. That's pretty cool. And I was like, oh man, wicked. But I knew some of the parts were missing, though. Like, there were some were lost in her purse. But I was like, oh, I, I've never seen this figure before. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great Toxo Viper at church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, I didn't have the helmet, though. She lost it at, in the purse or, or something. Oh, you never found the helmet? No, never got the helmet. Uh, never? After no. All this, after all this time. She, I, I had... I, so she, she, she reached out, grabbed the figure. It came with a tube uh, with the rifle. Uh, and a backpack, but no, the the helmet was gone, and I think it was missing another uh, accessory. Yeah, tube. it has like a little tube that goes from the backpack uh, to the gun. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, there, there, there yeah. was many tubes, but yeah, like, I only had many. one. He's a toxo viper. He needs a lot of tubes. Exactly, <laughs> but that's that's that funny. Well, well, I got to keep an eye out for you for an extra toxo viper helmet. It's a well, pretty sweet helmet. I well, the figure's gone now. I kind of don't. I donated it to Salvation Army. Oh well, yeah. that's that's good. <laughs> Me, I'd be like, I'm keeping that Toxo Viper. These you can have my mask figures. <laughs> What's your favorite figure? What's my favorite figure? Well, that's hard to pick. Let's say maybe like your top three or four. Um, I know it's a tough one. Anyone listening who collects figures knows it's I very res- hard to. P- I res- recently put like. Ninety dollars down at Silver Snail to pick up uh, the build build a figure Jubilee action figure wow. the Vampire Jubilee. That's like three meals at Captain's Boil, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't feel so bad for uh, you know dropping forty or fifty bucks on a GI Joe figure every now and then. No, well, especially no. like how much they're selling them at conventions, like the well the the convention exclusive ones, like the recent backstop action figure they released. Yeah. 
I got to shout out my buddy Joe. He hooked me up, actually. Oh, so, yeah, I know. I wasn't at JoeCon this year, which uh, broke my heart. How much do you pay for that one, though? Oh, he doesn't. He's the best. He just, I pay what they cost. How much were they charging? Uh, I forget, actually, what they were. But, I mean, the thing is, it's American, so it's also, like... It's 60 bucks, right? It works out to be about probably 50 or 60 bucks. Okay, because eBay, when I was checking, the cheapest I could find was, like, 120 bucks. Whoa. And I was like, should I or should I not? Because Backstop is the only Canadian G.I. Joe. I know, I know. I was kind of ticked off that they made him only available that way, yeah. but... So I'm hoping to go to G.I. Joe Con Lucky 2018. Uh, I don't know if you have any interest in going. It's in Chattanooga, Tennessee next year. Because uh, you've got a G.I. Joe connection that some people will... Uh, you know, some of the people listening to this show are some into G.I. Joe, I think, a little bit. Yeah. So you worked on G.I. Joe comic, right? A yeah. very exclusive one. It, it, and it was it was approved by Hasbro. It was licensed by Hasbro. So, yeah, I, I was part of the Canadian G.I. Joe convention, and we got to create our own Canadian, super, uh, Canadian G.I. Joes. Uh, yeah, I got to design a bunch of them, which was fantastic at being a G.I. Joe fan going like yes finally my, my like everything I've learned from Larry Hama I can apply to this and yeah we, we made action figures through our committee with whatever Hasbro supplied with us and we customized multiples of hundreds of sets I, I made uh, I wrote and drew the comics that went with these convention sets yeah you were really involved so i just want to get listeners caught up on what was going on so there was a canadian gi joe con yeah that lasted a few years like you guys did maybe four or five years yeah from like 2004 well like that was an unofficial one but and then it was like it was like a gi joe meet and we had like like fans from the states that actually came over because when we had like this we made like an exclusive set of like 25 and it was Joe Canuck. He was like our flagship character who was like an Arctic trooper. And when news got about that, like I sculpted a head. So it was a unique head sculpt that was casted and put on like a snow jaw body or whatever. And then people ate it up. Each year we would come up with an exclusive to the point where like 2009 or yeah, 2009, uh, we made a big box set and we made. A chrome hiss tank. Which is insane. That and it was called the hate tank, right? The hate tank. Yeah. I didn't get one of those. I've got the I've got one or two of the sets yeah. for sure. Yeah, which are pretty awesome. But you hand painted. You guys would assemble these we, Yeah, a group of us hand painted them, yeah. Yeah, and they were all so Hasbro would give you actual parts? Surplus, yeah. So would they come in packages? They would come in their packages. That was sending in their warehouses and, and we're like just Frankenstein them and, and piece together these figures. Yeah, we, we had to like so we had to see what they had they could supply. Uh they gave us a catalog of, of the parts and then we we had to like brainstorm it's like and we would go to yojo.com and look at the parts closely and like photoshop them and and color them with like mock shots to go yeah like this this type of character could work or this kind of yoko could work and look at some of the resources that we had like there was a, a factory nearby that chrome stuff so they uh yeah they they chromed the his tank and then they chromed that jet that came with the the command center the the terror that's it 
Yeah. Oh, and you got one of the sets right here. Yeah, I knew I had one of the sets close by, so I just got up to uh, to grab it. So this one's from 2011. 2011. So this is, uh, I think the Chrome you were saying was 2009. Yeah. So let's see if you remember any of these guys' names, because these are really I don't obscure. know any of the names, but I, I know. Okay. Let's see, because I think you drew the comic I, yeah, book I did. Here. Look at that. It's autographed by I, Jason I, Liu. Okay, Mudslinger. Do you know who Mudslinger is? Mudslinger is, oh gosh, is, I think he's a Cobra? This is a crazy set. So it's an eight-figure set. I think it's the guy with the specs. Uh, that looks like a Black Ops he's uh, a Splinter Cell character. Saboteur. Ooh. He's a saboteur named Dustin Willard Cage. Who wrote these file cards? A bunch of us did. Um, They're really nice. So like, they, this set is a really, really nice-looking set. Thanks. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't looked at it in a while. Okay, Valkyrie. Some of the, the paint kind of held up. Uh, yeah, you can see it's some come of off it. a bit. On some the, of it. Some of it kind of has stained because we, we did dye some of the parts. Oh, takedown. Takedown. Okay, so he's got this V-neck shirt going on. Or like, Yeah, he's pretty bad. I, I, I also hand-painted him, too. Uh, so I was responsible for creating his backstory and painting that figure. And I wanted to create like a mixed martial arts character. Like we needed like a Canadian version of that in, in, in the team. And, and that's who he was. It was takedown, and he's a drill instructor. He was our Sergeant Slaughter. And when you see the figure, he's, like, built like a tank. Pierce D. Chambers. Did you give him his code name, his real name, too? It's been a long time ago. Birthplace Brooks, Alberta. Takedown's been training G.I. Joes in Canada since before there was a branch of G.I. Joe in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty long time, I guess. <laughs> Being a G.I. Joe fan, I didn't know there was a branch in Canada. But this is great. Like, you and Mike and everybody who was involved with this convention, you know, I, I wish we still had it. Like, has there ever, have you ever thought it would come back? Um, it's just that there's not much of a following these days. Uh, I, I think that's the reason why we kind of stopped. Like, we, we stopped at the right time when we knew that it was, like, the fan craze was dying for G.I. Joes. Because you, you don't see that many G.I. Joes uh, on the toy shelves. And also, yeah, yeah we're, like, kind of the younger fans of joe too right yeah. like it skews a lot older now it was it's not like transformers where transformers kept the fan base kept refreshing itself gi joe kind of cut off you know after a certain time it's like i don't think they really the, got the kids at the fans. prime then are like in their 40s right now yeah totally yeah and then like there was a trickle-on effect for like the later era and like the resurgence in 2000 which valor versus venom and devils do like there was a bit of a boom there mm -hmm. so i do meet joe fans surprisingly i do meet joe fans younger than us which is good yeah because <laughs> i was from the spy troops era yeah yeah because like i think we were probably always like the babies of the joe fan whenever i'd go to these cons i'm like oh i've like feel i'm pretty young compared to a lot of these people and then now it's like oh well there's we're kind of the end of the line but I'm just looking at this comic. The art is so good, man. And it's great because now, you know, I'm so used to seeing you doing Pitiful Human Lizard. But seeing your art in this, the coloring's really nice, too. Like, it's not, a, yeah. It's a really well-produced comic. It's not that bad. <laughs> well, G.I. Joe fandom will always keep it alive. And, I mean, that's what it has been for the last few years. You know, I, I know I've met a lot of different people. There's Carson who does 3D Joes. There's my buddy Paul who does, like, the action figure photos and everything. And the plastic battles and Joe a day. There's so many incredible fan 
run things. And now you've got like the Marauder toys. If you're into GI Joe figures, you can check out the Marauder gun runners. There's so many different options for those figures. Now there's like zombie figures coming out that are done to scale oh, like Joe's. If- like when you look back at all the figures that have been produced over the last 15, 20 years, you're like, okay, you know what? There's been a lot of good ones. And GI Joe impressive. Club has put out a lot of great figures yeah. as well. But Star Wars, you can still get a lot of Star Wars. Who's your favorite Star Wars figure? Uh, Yaddle. Do you like Yaddle? Answer no, Snaggletooth. <laughs> Snaggletooth is is. Oh, and, and, and it's it's uh yeah the, the Snaggletooth from the three pack Cantina set. And <laughs> oh, getting deep. Yeah, deep like you know, like Wedge until he's one of my favorite Star Wars characters because he's also a working a workhorse unstrung hero. <laughs> uh, at, at the first uh, in A New Hope, he was dubbed by an an American actor, but then. Uh, I think uh, starting Empire Strikes Back, that's when he they just use his regular voice. Definitely in, in Return of the Jedi, you can hear Dennis Lawson's Scottish accent. Interesting facts. And I love he, this. I he's, love learning these new things. He's also the uncle to Ewan McGregor, Dennis Lawson. Real life, oh. Dennis Lawson, the actor of Wedge and Tilly's, a pilot who survived all three battles of the original trilogy. He's the actual uncle... Uh, to Ewan McGregor, and in fact, he—I think he might have either—I conv- think he might have convinced Ewan to to take that role, or he might have—he might have warned him about the role of, of. You're blowing my mind here, man. Yeah. Wedge Antilles is Obi Wan Kenobi's uncle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, in real life. <laughs> no, it's real. Star Wars is real. Yeah. Man. What do you mean real life? It's all this, it's all real. Yeah, Star Wars is real life. IRL. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, so what's going on? You got Pitiful Human Lizard coming up, Chapter House. Yeah, how many hours would you say per issue? Okay, you well, put I, in? I I can say that it, it takes me like an hour and a half to 2 hours to pencil or ink a page. So, it could be about uh you know, close to four hours per page. Four hours per page. Uh, you know, the last six issues, it's been twenty pages an issue. So twenty times four hours. I'm doing my math here. That's eighty hours an issue. Wow! And how strict a script do you have? How strict is your script? <laughs> like, do you have a loose st- story plotted out, and then you fill in the dialogue later? What's your technique? I What's have a okay, so. I, I do most of my writing during the summer season, uh, especially at patio bars. Uh, Glad to see you take the writing process so seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all the best. That's what all the best writers do, you know? I, I don't, you know, it's not like I'm encouraging drinking and writing at the same time, but how, how that works for me is because I am not in that state where I'll be afraid to write anything down. Like, if I think it's good enough, I'm going to write it down. Uh, that way I don't have writer's block. I fight writer's block by just putting anything I think of. It, even if it's something that might not work, I'm going to write it down because maybe I might fit it in somewhere in a story or maybe in another future issue. So, don't filter out your ideas. Just put them down on paper first and then, you know, the second draft, that's when you're going to edit it. Because I'm still writing my stuff as I'm penciling, as I'm inking stuff, I'm, I sometimes would add like another panel or two, whatever. Sure, and you'll see what flows better. And then when you're laying on the dialogue, like you're doing the word balloons, so you you might have some stuff written already, maybe, or and then other stuff. I'll come you just up go with, with even the flow. better stuff. Yeah. when I'm writing, when I'm lettering. Yeah. 
oh yeah, I always go through a few drafts. Like when Alex and I are working on the last paper route or when I was working on snake or it's like you go through a few different things and then it's not until the final art comes together when you're like, oh, you know what? This dialogue doesn't quite match this character's expression in this scene right now. So you try and tweak it or get the story flowing better. And do you have any rules that you limit yourself to like for word balloons? Because to me, that's I'm always fascinated to hear how people have different techniques on laying out words like someone told me once never have more than 25 words in a word balloon um i don't know about that like uh, i know if if i have a lot of words in a word balloon like i that deserves like a big panel that has like enough acting involved to make that dialogue work but one of the mistakes that i usually make in the first draft is i usually sometimes sometimes in dialogue it can sound a bit like expository and like it's like i like it doesn't sound natural it sounds like okay like this is what's happening in the story like as the character speaks when you know like the second or third time i'll go through that word balloon it's like okay uh, like how does a real person say something that would uh, mention these points in that dialogue to make it sound natural. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you have to succinctify. You've got to make, you've got to get to the point. And, and because you're doing the art as well, I mean, you have a, a great sense of it, but you really do need to let the art do the work as well. Like you don't, if a character is picking up a slice of pizza, he's not going to be saying in the word balloon, I'm eating a slice of pizza now. Oh, you yeah, know, like no. That's the yeah. CSA stuff, where that's like rook, a rookie mistake. When yeah. I see a comic like that, I just throw it down. Like, <laughs> How'd this guy get a job? <laughs> yeah. What was the issue that where you really felt it click? Where you were like, you know what? This is the turning point. Like I'm feel like you're feeling it all come together, and you're like, yeah, you you got the flow down. I I felt waves of that a number of times, and uh, I think I I felt that recently in in this third arc, like for like Majestic Rat's origin story, for example, a whole issue that takes place in a pet store. You know, like not many comic books, especially superhero comics would do something like that but i i i, I did it I'm like uh, and i, I want to like make it you know like like a very sincere story that fans can appreciate it, yeah so there was that and, and also issue number seven where i think that was like one of my f- first offbeat issues where it's like the human lizard gets lost in mississauga and has yeah, to goes find to his the way park back. right yeah, he he gets lost in in Heartland, and then he yeah. has to find his way back home late at night. Misses the bus, and we've all been there. That felt like I remember that, and I was like, "Yeah, I've been there. That sucks." You've got how are you going to get home? That's a that's a very real, especially a very real Toronto thing. Yeah, yeah. the entire issue like that, and like devote that. Like other other comic book superhero stories, like they'll only like maybe dedicate two to three pages of that and and be like and then batman went back to the bat cave it's like no that doesn't happen in real life when you don't have when you're not as rich as bruce wayne you know like one of my inspirations of, of the human lizard is, is uh louis ck uh because well, that's interesting yeah there's a lot of great offbeat i say offbeat a lot uh <laughs> comedy to that series, I, I love the drama. I, I, I love seeing characters in uncomfortable situations and seeing how they're going to get out of it. 
that's how I'm going to entertain my readers by going, okay, well, this is the predicament that I'm putting my, my character in. And you're just going to have to share the same experiences of what he goes through. And victories are not always promised, but, you know, you learn something from them. And and just like the human lizard, like he learns something from every single crisis I throw at him, even if it's like the most mundane thing, but very stressful that, that we've all experienced before. And that's why people relate to him. Exactly, and it's great comic, and you and you know with that approach, you're never going to run out of material, and you put him anywhere. Like even when he's riding the streetcar home, and he's all beat up, and people are just picking on him. It's like this guy was just fighting off aliens at Young and Dundas, but now he's just I'm just too tired, and it's it's very real, and you feel it. You got the streetcar driver, you know, and and he's the husband of Mother Wonder too, yeah. and uh, yeah, that was another turning point. It was like holy shit like i can't believe i'm telling a story about well not just human lizard but we're getting to know a like a secondary secondary character get to know more of her husband and like his at his day job as a uh streetcar operator and he's trying to do his best to uh save human lizard from harassers but also motivate him because human lizard's just at that point where he just wants to give up just like almost everyone else uh who's who's had like a lot of hardship uh you know like everyone has those rough days where like we beat ourselves up but then we're like you know what it's just a phase that that we'll get over with and we'll we'll be better to the next day i think that's great and that's what true superheroes are Holy shit! Like me just saying that, like, because like subconsciously I, I I think that, but it's like to say that, it's like, yeah, I think that's that's the reason why that's fans it. like my comic. Like that's, that's the reason why. See, everybody, go read it. You got to go read this. Holy comic. shit! <laughs> <laughs> We're having breakthroughs. Breakthroughs on the weekend. Yeah, just had a breakthrough right now. Right, it's the dill pickle chips. I, I figured out why people <laughs> like my comic. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, why do these people keep buying it? Well, I mean, yeah. I I spend eighty hours an issue making it, but uh, well, you know, he's just this average guy that goes through a lot of shit and it's like, oh, he, yeah, he is some kind of inspiration to people. Yeah, yeah. He's just he's doing his thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Jason. What I want to know is what are the most valuable comics to you? And I know you've you you're a big comic book fan, oh, comic yeah. reader. So okay, like just gonna put it out there because I I I do have a lot of great old comics because I'm a big Jack Kirby fan. I'm a big Steve Ditko fan, Steranko. So I even got like some autographs. Like I got Steranko who signed a a Strange Tales. Wow, I think it was like issue one fifty nine. It's like captain america and he, he, he he's training with nick fury like there's this one there's this two page panel uh, of strange tales uh where i think it was like nick fury he's battling a robot and the the two page spread works like a maze and it's duranko-esque yeah where it's from one point and and it makes the reader rotate the the two-page spread uh because you're following nick fury being chased by this heat seeker missile and uh cool yeah i think i actually think i've seen this before yeah so that was one of the things i want to say to him but uh, but like there's so many other things that that wanted to get out of my mouth, but nothing really came out, and I was like, more like, Stranko, it's it's a pleasure meeting you, and then 
I shook his hand, and he has a very tight, manly grip. A powerful grip. Powerful grip. And I was like, wow, you're you're pretty spry for a... And then I... I you know, you caught yourself. I, I caught myself. He used to be like an escape artist or something. Like he's a very interesting guy. Yeah, and and, and he is a bit vain too, because you know, like you can tell he's still wearing a wig. He was a pretty badass dude. Like very badass dude. Yeah, you know, 60s, he was like he was he punched like Bob the, Kane. Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, but he, he's also like very Bob ex- Kane, creator of Batman. Yeah, for those, uh, just tuning in uh, to he, comics. Yeah, he, 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 he's very. He, he's he's very he's a very strong right wing uh, idealist, uh, which can put some people off. Uh, but but bef- he draws great comics. Draws great comics. And you met him. But before, so when, when, when I when I when I said like, wow, you're you're pretty spry for, uh, and then he he noticed that he's like, uh. so oh, no, no, so he's gonna well, punch you. Well, like, he, he, I so, punched Bob Kane, buddy. <laughs> what <have> you did. <laughs> so so what can I do you for? And I was like, uh. Uh, I, I hope you, you can you can sign this. It's like, so what's in it for me? And well, you know, I was like, well, I, well, I, so I, I did pay your handler, uh, please. And it's like, okay, so w- what's your name? Uh, it's like Jason. It's like, well, here you go, Jason. That was it. No, no story because everyone else had a story, and I, I, I just made it awkward. Well, now you, well, you have a story. I have a story to tell. So that is a valuable. That's a valuable comic for you. It is, yeah. I, I wasn't planning on having him personalize it, but like, not like I was going to resell it. But it's like, well, it's it has my name, Jason. Well, Three hundred years from now, someone's going to be like, who was Jason? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, that, well, yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty that's a great neat, experience. I have yeah. met some of my favorite artists uh, on occasion, and they've not been so cool. But out of respect for the jerks, I'm not going to say their name here. Okay, but let's uh, let's move on. So you brought some comics. You're going to share I do. your most valuable comics with us to me. Yeah. Okay. So like you know, like I, I have like the Silver Surfer first appearance and all these first appearance low cage. Goes oh, those right might be worth uh, whatever. Money. Yeah. But I want to know what's worth it to you. Like if you have to get rid of all your comics and you could only save three comics. Oh well, <laughs> I, I'm definitely going to save the the Silver Surfer issue. <laughs> <laughs> the first appearance signed by Stan Lee. Dude, you're going against the whole concept here. Oh, just one second. You're going against the whole concept here. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. But I want to know what mean the most to you, okay. Jason Liu, in your deep comic book soul. So, what touches? What is the comic you cannot part with? So, no. Here's comics that inspire me. And, and making my comics that that challenges me, and, and, and comics that also like I would look back and like if I I need like a recharge for inspiration, especially though it might be like a fatigue where like I, I'm sick of doing comics, and then I can always revisit a comic like this one I brought here, which is a Daniel Klaus. You know I'm a Daniel Klaus fan. This is Eight Ball issue number twenty two. An awesome issue. This, it's a great issue because what's great about issue number 22 of 8-Ball, it's close to 40 pages, maybe a bit over 40 pages. It reads like a Sunday funnies. It's all by Daniel Klaus, but he's drawing in so many different styles, telling so many different stories, uh, maybe about like eight story arcs because he, he would revisit some of the characters uh, throughout the book. 
Yeah, this was a great issue, and this was a cool thing that kind of... St- I don't know if this was the first one to do it, but he started changing sort of the, the size and format of as opposed to doing like a normal standard-looking comic book. Like, yeah. this one's a little bit wider. It's almost like a magazine format almost and nice cardstock cover. I, th- I think it came out after his Daniel Boring issues because the Daniel oh, Boring yeah, issues were... David Boring. David Boring, because they were all black and white and like this is full color and and what's great what, what's also good about this issue is like each story has like a header that that looks like you know like a peanuts header or a mutts header that you'll find in any of your sunday newspapers yeah, like a classic comic strip exactly and you, the storytelling he's got like your your regular clouds quirky characters just sort of like they seem like they could all be based in reality, but yeah. who are they? And, and they all feel like, I love his comments because they always feel like, I might have known this person. Like, everyone kind of, it's like that stranger that you don't know that you always see at the grocery store, and you wonder, what is their story? And they've probably got a story written by Dan Klaus. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Turning the ordinaries into extraordinaries. Yeah. I think he, he said that before. Yeah, like yeah, there, there's a lot of variety of styles, even cartoony styles too. Uh, that could look like you know a Dennis the Menace cartoon, but you know you'll you'll have like the kids actually talking like real kids and like throwing f bombs and stuff. But like that's how like real kids actually talk. Sorry, moms and dads. Awesome. Uh, and then, Excellent choice. Yeah. Uh, I'm also a big I recognize this one here. Yeah, that's an amazing cover. So, as I uh, I mentioned in your earlier podcast, I'm a big fan of David um, Mazzuccelli, and uh, I brought Daredevil issue number two thirty two, God and Country, the first appearance of Nuke. Describe the cover to our listeners. Okay, so it's Daredevil in flames. He he he's in Hell's Kitchen. Overlooking this, you see the the eyes of Nuke with the American flag rotated 90 degrees downward. And the way that Mazzuccelli draws Nuke's eyes and eyebrows is not heavily detailed, but it's enough to know, like, it looks realistic to me. Like, he, he knows the shading enough. Uh, without the shading, it's, it's just black. It's perfect. Solid. Colors work so well. You've got the red, white, and blue on the flag. You've got the yellow daredevil in the logo, but then the yellow, the flames are yellow, and then you've got the blue type down here at God and Country, and then the red and just sort of the the pose of Daredevil. It's just it's perfect. It's beautiful. Looks so iconic. The interiors are great too. Because okay, so this is the first time we actually see Nuke after maybe like four or five issues of like Kingpin. Mentioning about there's been a lot Nuke. of build up about this character. build up yeah definitely and so then we, we knew like if you can imagine if you were a kid or reading this as it came out you knew like month after month Nuke is coming Nuke is coming exactly and then Nuke is here and and, and what's great about this issue is okay so Nuke this is this is part of a, a two parter so it's 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 from issues two thirty two to two thirty three and it's the last two issues of Mezzicelli and Daredevil it feels like. Mazzuccelli's swan song to the character uh, with Nuke and, 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 and Captain America gets involved as well and he how he draws Captain America in this issue it's not like super masculine it, he looks like Chris Evans in the movies like I mean he looks like like a very 
grounded but muscular super soldier. Like it, he looks believable. And maybe that's why they got the Chris Evans looking clone guy to play him in Jessica Jones. Yeah, exactly. For anyone watching the Netflix series. Yeah. So this is where Nuke first appeared. Mm-hmm. Now, do you say Nuke or Nuke? Nuke. 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 <laughs> is there a pro- I didn't know there's two ways. I don't know. There's, you can say it however you want. Nuke? I have a long-standing... Do, oh, how, how do you say it? Well, as... Nuke? Nuke? I mean, nuke. nuke. It's oh. nuke. I mean, nuke. nuke or nuke. It just okay. depends how you pronounce it. But there are many... Cause or duke. As comic duke, readers, nuke. we're always okay. reading these names in our heads. Yeah. So I would always... You know, and then it's not until you say the name out loud. Oh, you know what? Yeah. I'm saying a George W. Bush way, because, like... Nuclear. Um, no, fuck. I'm, 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 I'm fucking up, up now. Like, no. Nuclear. Yeah, you it's nuclear. Nuke, nuke or nuke. It yeah. I don't think... Nuclear. Look, I, you not say nu- it however you like it. I think nuclear. you say uh, coupon or coupon? Coupon. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's that you. And, uh, no, coupon? Okay. Coupon or coupon? I don't know. Uh, okay. Do you say salsa or salsa? Uh... <laughs> Salsa, <laughs> nacho or not? No, but you know what? Salsa. But then when it's so, when it's to dance, it's like salsa. salsa. I, th- I think I think I, I think I say salsa salsa dancing. Sometimes I say salsa, but sometimes I say salsa. You can call him you nuke. I like. I'm gonna start calling him nuke <laughs> nuke. nuke. Hey, you know when you pronounce your C's with the sus sound instead of like the cuss sound? So you know when I was 11, I I, I always pronounce it on Sandy X Men. <laughs> oh, I love Uncanny X-Men And my friends would be like, it's Uncanny He's like, no, it's Uncanny Uncanny, Sanny Oh, yeah. Jason, in all my years I've never heard Uncanny <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that is good Uncanny Well, it's like, you know what, it's like I say, I always said Mazzucchelli But maybe it's Mazzucchelli I don't know oh, You know what, yeah, go I, I really don't know I, I've heard it both ways. Unsanny, unsanny. <laughs> but but you know what? That that was the first time I'm, uh, I'm, I was introduced to the word uncanny. Yeah, well, that's a big a, word for a ten-year-old. Abso- well, I, I absolutely. <laughs> I learned so many words from comics that I never. Stanley and yeah, slobber knockers. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so two great comics right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You got Eight Ball. You got da- Daredevil with with Nuke. It like yeah, uh, Mazzucchelli Swan Song to Daredevil. And then what do we got here? Oh, uh, okay. So I brought two more. Okay, so the okay there's uh, the Punisher uh, from 1989 and. Uh, Written by Mike Barron and drawn by Bill Reinhold. R- Bill Reinhold is a, is a solid storyteller. Yeah. Uh, awesome. I've never... I don't I, think I've read this one. I, I, I don't like stylized art. I like art that, you know, that... Art, art, art like Musicelli, Alex Toth, uh, Chris Samney is another one. Yeah, just absolutely. They're all real masters of the craft who everyone's drawn in proper perspective, like sizes, you know. You got Dr. I love this. There's like three Dr. Dooms, uh, you know, swarming Punisher. That's, that's an odd scene. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, this is an interesting storyline. Okay, okay so, so explain to the listeners. We got this is Punisher 28 from 1989. Bill 19, Reinhold on the art. Yeah. And so... Uh, Doctor Doom wages a bet with with uh, Kingpin that he can take down the Punisher for for Kingpin. Um, ah, yeah, this is during Acts of Vengeance. 
Yes. Where all the villains were trading up like they're heroes. A- exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, this, this is so hilarious. So, okay. so it's it's Doctor Doom versus versus Punisher. And then you you, you realize, like, spoiler, because it, it's it, hey, it's it's decades ago. Uh, that Doctor Doom was a Doombot, oh, a rogue Doombot. Well, he, he Punisher thinks it's actually Doctor Doom, so he goes straight to Doctor Doom's door, and uh, I forgot that. Uh, what what's his country again? Latveria. Uh, Latveria. That's it. He goes to Latveria, uh, knocks on his door to to settle the score and, and then he he talks to the actual Doctor Doom or you, uh, you know what it's so confusing because you you think that maybe that's another Doom bot who has more rationale and uh, wait a Marvel comic was confusing at some point yeah no, that never happened <laughs> but, but but no but I, I think it worked to the effect it, it, it worked to the, uh, with great effect I think that was the intent this is pretty great how did Kingpin get in touch with Dr. Doom that's what I want to know did he have him it, in his Rolodex it, it, just... no it, it was it was Dr. Doom the, uh, the Doom bot that reached out to Kingpin saying I can take down this <laughs> Uh, I what can does take the Doombot the- just get bored. He's like, I got the week off. Yes, that's <laughs> a, I don't. I, well, I, I think he, he he was definitely getting something out of Kingpin uh, if he if he killed the Punisher for him. Uh, oh, Doctor Doom would give him extra oil or something. He's like, good no, Doombot. No, no, I think Kingpin would give something that Doombot would need. Yeah. So what happens in the end? Like Punisher is uh, is in his van being chased by Doombot as as he's trying to like take him down all in new york while the avengers in the background are, are also facing like the brotherhood of evil mutants like there's somewhere in the background but but like punisher's like focused on on beating <laughs> the doom bot and then and then meanwhile he, you got quasar versus pyro over here yeah right <laughs> like like yeah like, yeah that's that that's a, that's on the cover of issue number twenty nine. Oh, that's on twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that that's just a very minor part of the story because it's all Punisher versus the Doombot. So how did you discover these? Were these? Did you have them as a kid? Did you? I actually met uh, Bill Reinhold in person while uh, we go, we really got to know each other when we were at a panel at a the Forest City Comic Con. When I looked at his work closely, it's like, holy shit! Like I'm, I'm, I really love your style because it, it's you know like Chris Semney, it's it's just great storytelling. You know, it's it's very bad of me to assume because I, I thought like you know there's so many people that work for that work on these characters, Punisher or whatever. You tend to disregard dis- a lot. disregard them, but his art really spoke to me. I was like, no, this is this is really great, and and I, I've been going back and collecting that story arc because each of those issues from the 1989 line felt like a, like a solid episode during that time keep in mind Dolph Lundgren was the Punisher in the live action movie yeah. back at a time yeah. so uh, so looking back at, at these comics they could have been like the TV spinoff they were very episodic and and with, with Bill Reinhold drawing it it looks like fantastic storyboards that were colored and, and you got to read the dialogues and everything and, and, and experience what could have been a, a TV series. And you know, this is from an era in Marvel. I feel like, man, like 88, 89. I mean, that was sort of prime. This was, I remember going to like the corner store as a kid, like finding Marvel comics and just 
whatever was there. Like 75 cents, awesome. A dollar, wicked. I'm getting it. And like this era, I feel like nothing was bad. I mean, I know there are a lot of, of duds, but it's like just seeing this now and like just that font of Marvel there in the box and when they all... Didn't you love this when the Marvel comics all had a, a character in the corner box? I've, I've like, been copying some of that style for Pitiful Human Lizard, actually. Yeah. It's just so... This of course is a I love comic it. book. Like, this is... Oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, normally, each issue would be like Punisher facing like some drug lord uh, or some corrupt There were a lot of drug whatever. lords. Like, yeah. Let's be honest. Like, there's a lot out there. But the way Good that... Thing Punisher was around to kill them all. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the way that Bill Reinhold drew them, it, like... Uh, it really got me engaged in the story. And and I'm a big Doctor Doom fan, so that's why I, I brought issue numbers 28 and 29. Jason, thanks for bringing these. This was awesome. My pleasure. Like, great to know. So these, and you could probably find them, listeners, if you're digging around in the dollar bins and the quarter bins. I don't think these Punishers go for that much, right? Like You can find them, yeah, definitely for like a dollar, two dollars at BMV Books or... Pretty cheap. Yeah. yeah. Start digging in your local back issue bins because this but, is... This but is I got awesome. a pleasure of uh, having Bill Reinhold sign them for me and I, they're, they're one of my highest treasures. They are one of Jason's most valuable comics. This has been so good, and honestly, now I want to hunt this down just for this. <laughs> the Punisher surrounded by like, I was like five Doctor Doom bots, and then, like the look on his face, like what the, yeah, Doctor. He's like he's got to know they're Doom bots. He's got to be like you're not all Doctor Doom. <laughs> and it's funny because like the only person that that's backing him up is Microchip oh. <laughs> in a in a van. And one last oh, thing. One last, one last thing. Shout out that. Honorable mention. Honorable mention. Uh, sure. Optic Nerve, issue number 14, which is the latest issue uh, by Adrian Tomine. Uh, huge inspiration to my story work. Uh, this issue, issue number 14, is about a father, uh, his wife, and a teenage daughter. The, 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 the title is called Killing and Dying. Uh, it's about the wife who's fighting cancer and the daughter who wants to be a stand-up comedian and yeah, it's a great it's a great issue oh it's 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 fantastic because uh what he's doing in this issue he's able to fit 20 panels on each page uh and it captures all like a lot of subtle moments in in a conversation even like just just blank stares and and like just just like weird looks or like he's able to capture Every piece of drama uh, that goes on in this family of like a, a dying mother and a daughter who's just finding herself through stand-up comedy, very heartbreaking, really. And and I, I I recommend any aspiring cartoonist to break out of reading their stereotypical s- superhero stories and read something that's very unconventional. Unconventional or unconventional? Yes. Depending if, <laughs> if we're going with the unsanny pronunciation, unsanny X Men. <laughs> oh, you are the unsanny Jason Liu. <laughs> I, I should advertise myself, build myself. That never, way. never be sanny. Always be unsanny. <laughs> never change, man. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me. It's it's your, your place is great. I, I want to hang out here more often. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> yeah, we will just hang out. We'll uh, read some comics, post some figures, eat some. Chips. 
chips. Play G.I. Joe's in uh, your room. That's Absolutely. all we need to Let's do. Let's set up yeah. a diorama. Let's reenact yes. Hoth base with yeah. uh, snow serpents. <laughs> Definitely. I think I have like diorama parts that have like explosions. So we can have make explosions without the fireworks. <laughs> awesome. So people can find you at rebel underscore Lou. And uh, Facebook at Pitiful Human, Liz- uh, Pitiful Human Lizard. And everyone, go read this comic. You will not be disappointed. It's amazing. It's fun. Hunt down Jason. Get him to sign your funny books. Please do. All right. Cool. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye. <laughs> do people ever do that? Like, woo. La, la, like this Gotta be something for me to write this Queen, I ain't seen you in a minute Wrote this letter and finally decided to send it Signed, sealed, delivered for us to grow together Love has no limit, that's been a slow forever I know your heart is weather by what does dare to you I ain't gonna start them cause I probably did it too Because of you feelings I handle with care Some recognize the light but they can handle the glare You know I ain't the type to walk around with matching shirts A relationship is effort, I will match your work I wanna be the one to make you happy Happiest and hurt you the most. They say the end is near. It's important that we close to the most high. Regardless of what happened on him, let's rely. Important, we communicating Tune the fate of this union to the right pitch I never call you my b- to even my boo There's so much in the name and so much more in you You understand the union of woman and man The sex and the tingle is where they assuming it land But that's fly by night for you in the sky right You in these cold side nights, moon, you my life If heaven had a height, you would be that tall Ghetto the coffee shop and you, I see that all Let's stick to understanding and we won't fall For better or worse times, I hope to need you call So I pray every day more than anything Friends will stay as we begin to lay This foundation for family, love ain't simple Why can't it be anything worth having you work at annually? Granted, we've known each other for some time It don't take the whole day to recognize sunshine Kind of fresh, you listen to more than hip hop, and I can catch you in the mix from beauty to thrift shop. Plus, you shit pop when it's time to thinking you fresh, Justin Beast. I surround you with times when I'm lost, I try to find you. You know to give me space when it's time to. My heart's dictionary defines you, it's love and happiness. Truthfully, it's hard trying to practice happiness. The time we committed love, it was real good, had to be for me to arrive, and it still feel good. I know the sex ain't gonna keep you, but as my equal, it's how I must treat you. It's my reflection, the light, I'ma lead you. And whatever's right, I'ma feed you. Yo, I tell you the rest when I see it. Presentation of the Modern Superior Media Network.